Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We'll be right back with today's guest, but first, uh, we want to say thanks to our podcast partners, We Coach and the Global Community of Women in High School Sports. Check out these two great organizations and see all the resources they provide to your coaches and to you as an AD. That's We Coach and the Global Community of Women in High School Sports. Now let's hear from our sponsors. We want to say thanks to Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. You know, they're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school's record boards for all your teams, for all the sports, and a great way to display your Athletic Hall of Fame, go to Wall of Fame by Vital Signs and check out their interactive touchscreen video consoles and their library of templates. They can help recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present, and showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com or email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com to get started. That's vitalsignswalloffame.com. We also want to say thanks to sidelineinteractive.com for their support. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and check out their indoor scoring tables and video boards. They not only generate income for your department, but they also create the ultimate game day experience for your athletes. If you go to sidelineinteractive.com, you can schedule a live web demo and see their tables and boards in action. You can also email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com to see exactly what their fantastic products can do for you. That's sales at sidelineinteractive.com. We also want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack also connects you with the 95% of the parents and the student-athletes that really love your program. And it gives them a voice to help demonstrate the importance that a positive athletic experience has for them. Go to athleticsurveys.com and check out their testimonials, and then email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. If you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student-athletes, you're really missing out. Talk to the folks at Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack and let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. We also want to say thanks to SnapRaise. Go to snapraise.com and see how better fundraising can make for a better program. Get away from the fundraising headaches of the past. There's no upfront cost. There's no inventory. There's no selling. And what's more important, SnapRaise works. Our coaches use SnapRaise at my school, and it was just fantastic. As an athletic director, I knew what was going on, but I didn't have to be involved. Choosing the best fundraiser for you and your school is critical, and you can put the SnapRaise digital difference to work. As I said, it's easy, it's safe, and it works. Go to snapraise.com and check out the thousands and thousands of dollars that they have helped programs just like yours raise using SnapRaise. Change your fundraising game plan and start a fundraiser that works for you. Go to snapraise.com to get started. We also want to say thanks to Huddle. Go to huddle.com and see why Huddle is how the world sees sports. 
Over 200,000 teams across 40 different sports use Huddle to capture, analyze, and learn from video and data. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years, but as an athletic director, our school was a Huddle school. And our coaches just love the smart cameras, the mobile apps. Of course, they love the analytics, but there's so much more. Huddle is also built for every level of play from club and youth teams all the way through high school, college, and the pros. Huddle provides a professional-grade solution for your video and data needs. And if you go to Huddle.com, you're going to see why we believe in sports and teams believe in Huddle. Join the 6 million users. Go to Huddle.com. We also want to say thanks to Gipper. Go to Gipper.com and see how athletic directors and coaches are creating world-class marketing content for their school social media channels. You can do it in seconds on any device, and you don't need any design experience. It's so easy, even I can do it. Go to Gipper.com, use the podcast code, which is ADPOD10, that's A-D-P-O-D-1-0, get 10% off. Go to Gipper.com, start creating custom-branded content for your school's social media channel, Gipper.com. We also want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing. Hometown Ticketing is the trusted leader in digital ticketing. And if you go to hometownticketing.com, they will show you how to set up and sell your tickets online. They'll show you how to scan the attendees and collect the revenue for the people that come to your games. And every step of the way, you're going to have a dedicated client success manager that's providing hands-on support. That's hands-on support every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com and they'll show you how to sell tickets for things like school dances, uh, theater productions, uh, music concerts, even graduation. If you can sell tickets, Hometown Ticketing can help you. That's hometownticketing.com. Simple and easy online ticketing. And we want to say thanks to Final Forms, the industry leader in forms and registration, but there's so much more than that. Final Forms can help your stakeholders with things like mobile accessibility. They've got reminders for parents about policies, about physicals, and all the forms that come when you have an athlete in the house. Final Forms can help your coaches with things like attendance and communication and even help with their certification management. And for athletic directors, Final Forms can help with eligibility, with rosters, and all the forms that come across your desk. And your data is secure with Final Forms. You know, it's time that you... Talk to a team that's walked in your shoes. To take the next steps and find out what Final Forms can do for you, go to finalforms.com forward slash Jake. That's finalforms.com forward slash Jake to get started with Final Forms. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We're going back up to the great state of uh, Minnesota. And our guest today is Brett McNeil. Brett is a certified master athletic administrator, and he's the director of athletics for Edison High School in Minneapolis. Uh, Brett was sharing that uh, they're in the midst of preparing for homecoming and the 100th uh, anniversary of Edison High School. Very cool. We're going to hear more about that. But Brett McNeil, welcome to the podcast. Well, welcome. And thank you for having me. I'm honored. Uh, well, we're excited to hear, uh, you know, what's going on. Um, we always like to start out and let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So 
give us the uh, the Brett McNeil uh, story in about four minutes. Uh, you know, maybe uh, take us up through uh, you know your college years. We'll take a break, then we'll come back and hear about the early years of your career. But uh, what's the Brett McNeil uh, story? Well, interesting or not, this is me. Right? I was, I'm born and raised in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, North Minneapolis to be exact. To be exact. I'm an inner city guy. Uh, my parents are farmers, I would say, from Louisiana to King of Illinois uh, to Minnesota is how we got here. And as far as I can remember, uh, I've been playing sports. Uh, my brother was a sports, my mother played sports, uh, my father played sports, uh, and my grandparents uh, participated in sports. And, and when I say my mother and grandmother, you know, it was very different then because there was very little they could do. Uh, and so I was very familiar with Title IX and some of the challenges that uh, my mother faced in trying to participate in athletics. And uh, in Minnesota, I'm very comfortable talking about some of the ladies that I knew that grew up playing. I, I can still remember when basketball was three on three with only one defensive mm-hmm. player than the other defensive player and can't go past half court. Uh, and I'm glad to talk a little bit about that, just being in the 50th year anniversary of Title IX itself. Uh, but I started, I just remember that, playing basketball in the backyard with a bunch of ladies. That's, that's what got me started. My neighbors had a basketball hoop in their backyard, and my brother and I would go out there, uh, and we'd play with them. Uh, and so I just, uh, was a fan of North High School, uh, lived across street from North Commons Park. Uh, and my first coaches, Michael Talley Tate and Dennis Howard, uh, were my basketball, football, baseball, tra- track, you know, we did everything. Uh, and so it's been a uh, part of my uh, sports has been part of my life, my family's life, all of my life. I uh, went to North High School, which was a, a basketball powerhouse uh, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, even now. Um, participated in a team that went 54-2. and We were undefeated, lost the state championship both years in a row to a very good White Bear Lake school. Uh, we were ranked 23rd in the nation at the time. Uh, we were not able to travel outside of the state, so we thought that was a great accomplishment. Uh, and I was able to earn the title of Mr. Basketball in the state of Minnesota in 85. Uh, always loved school, uh, had looked forward to going to college, uh, did not have the money, so I, so I knew that I needed some scholarship. And uh, because I was a pretty good uh, quarterback in football and wide receiver, I didn't mind being tackled, but I couldn't take a hit. <laughs> so I knew football wasn't for me. Great baseball player, pitcher, left-handed, loved first base. Uh, my brother also pitched, and then he pitched his arm up, woke up with a big knot on his arm, and I thought, uh, I'm done with pitching, uh, but I'll stay with the, the first base. Uh, but unfortunately for inner city kids, bat, baseball died out. We couldn't get enough kids to the team. And then I poured my heart into basketball. Uh, and that became my number one sport because it was easy to me. It, it was the best uh, comfortable playing. Uh, and I had great coaches. Uh, by playing football, I got that toughness, the physicality uh, of being able to compete <clears throat> on the court. And that physicality would fit best for me versus uh, tackling and football. Had great years at that program with great coaches. Uh, so I wouldn't trade it for anything. Earned a scholarship at Western Kentucky University, was recruited by Clem Haskins and uh, Dwayne Casey. Uh, first 
a, a child in my family of seven generations to earn a college degree, uh, majored in communications. I started out wanting to be a doctor, uh, couldn't fill the labs and practices, didn't have the fortitude in the voice at the time to tackle how to uh, change my schedule to make that work. So I moved to clinical psychology and then eventually to communications. Uh, and when I left Western, uh, I would have had a double major in psychology and communications. And I was two classes short of that psychology major and did not know that. Uh, but had some great years playing for Coach Casey and uh, Clem Askins. Uh, we were ranked eighth in the country for two years, competed at a very high level with, with teams, Kentucky, Louisville, Syracuse, uh, played uh, uh, two years, uh, made it to the second round uh, of the um, NCAA tournament, uh, won some player of the game awards uh, on national television. And I finished not knowing at the time, uh, I'm a Hall of Famer, Western Kentucky, indicted in 2017, but I finished uh, as the second leading scorer of Western Kentucky's history, second in steals and third in assists. Now, of course, with records, they're ultimately going to be broken. So I moved down that chain. But I thought that was a great accomplishment at the time uh, that when I was inducted, they informed that information. I didn't know that. Uh, but basically, that's me, uh, uh, at least up until high school and college graduation. I thought at the time those were some great accomplishments that I could share with my family. Well, I'm, you know, regular listeners of our podcast, they hear me say this all the time, and but it's true. I just love listening to the stories. And, you know, for the uninitiated, you know, Dwayne Casey, Clem Haskins, those are some pretty high-powered names in the world of basketball. Um, going back to those days, uh, can you remember a moment or a, a lesson uh, that maybe it didn't mean that much at the moment? But years later, as a coach or an athletic director, you know, that came through in, in how you uh, dealt with a particular challenge. Anything stick out for you? Oh, my goodness. Um, my introduction to them was an interesting introduction. Uh, I played with a gentleman named Brian Asbury. Tell us, Frank, both of them guys worked this camp we were in. I mean, this is really how I met them. And, you know, being a young kid, doing a young kid's do, we're supposed to be in the dorm at a certain time, and we're not in there. And the buddy I was with was talking smack, and this big, huge guy, Brian is like 6'6", six, six. <laughs> he's probably 230 pounds. He was huge. And he said, I see you. I know who you are. I'm coming to get you. And I'm thinking, I'm getting out of here. We ran to the dorm. He came and kicked the door again. <laughs> we will never forget it. Made us run all night. Uh, my lesson to that is follow directions, do what you're told. There are consequences. You might think you're going to get away. We couldn't believe he knew he saw us. Mm -hmm. We were, I thought we were hiding behind a tree talking smack. Uh, we couldn't get that door closed fast enough. He got out there. He was too strong. He pushed us both out the way. He said, y'all get out of here. And he made us run all night. We had to get up early for practice. We were so tired. And we had to perform because back then there weren't the AEU programs. It, it were camps. You had to get elected to camps. Uh, and I was at the Bill Croner camp in Rensselaer, Indiana, and I woke up and I was determined. I, at that time, I had no scholarship offers, nothing. And so I was determined to perform. We did a great job, but I was so tired. Rest assured, at the end of that day, I was in the bed way before the expected time. Uh, 
Mm -hmm. uh, but that was a learning lesson to me because didn't know that uh, uh, he played for Western Kentucky and he watched how we handled that discipline, right? And that accountability and how we went back out to perform. And he mentioned our names to Dwayne Casey and believe it or not, they were the first coaches that started recruiting me. And this is the end the, the summer before my senior year. Yeah, I mean, and that brings up a great point about um, how you handled that situation and that, you know, paid great, you know, dividends, you know, for having to suffer that consequence of uh, staying out a little late. Very cool story. Thanks for sharing that. For our listeners, our guest today is Brett McNeil. He's a certified master athletic administrator, and he's the director of athletics at Edison High School in Minneapolis. We're going to hear a little bit more about that, but let's take our first break. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Final Forms for their support of the Educational AD Podcast. Final Forms is the industry leader in registration and forms, but there's so much more than that. Final Forms can help your stakeholders with things like mobile accessibility. They've got reminders for parents about policies, about physicals, and all the forms that come with athletics. Final Forms can also help your coaches with things like attendance and communication. They can even help with their certification management. And for athletic directors, Final Forms can help with eligibility, with rosters, and all the forms and reports that come across your desk. You know, it's time that you talk to a team that's walked in your shoes. To take the next steps and find out what Final Forms can do for you, go to finalforms.com forward slash Jake. That's finalforms.com forward slash Jake to get started with Final Forms. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest is Brett McNeil. He's a certified master athletic administrator and the director of athletics at Edison High School in Minneapolis. Brett, great, uh, great uh, background uh, from your college days. Just uh, I, I could listen to that for another hour. But uh, share with our listeners a little bit about that early career and particularly, you know, that moment where you made that decision to, as I like to say, come to the other side of the desk uh, and move from coaching to becoming an AD. So uh, share, if you will, uh, you know, that part of your career. What's interesting, when I graduated from college, I had an opportunity to participate professionally. Um, I wasn't drafted, so I ended up going to Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I, I didn't want to do the CBA deal, so I left there. Uh, and then I ended up having an opportunity to play with the Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, I looked at their pay at that time and how many games they were playing in the trial. I thought, I don't think I want to do this either. And so I stepped back and I came, I came home and I would believe it or not, I was working four time part-time jobs. Uh, and I remember folks were laughing and chiding me about, uh, Oh, you went to college, you got this degree and you can't even get a job. Uh, but again, I was really blessed with my family. My mother and my grandmother were beauticians. And so I knew hard work. I saw hard work. My stepfather uh, worked for the railroad. And so he would get up every morning at five and get up at two. So work ethic and working wasn't anything new to me. But I eventually found my niche as a community organizer working with a friend of ours. And I did that for a year and a uh, politician recognized me and I became their chief staff and she became the president of the city council. And at that time, uh, the city of Minneapolis was a strong council weak mayor. Uh, so I worked there for another seven or eight years in politics. 
left that job, ran it as executive director of the YMCA because I was on all these boards serving, you know, just giving back to my community. I would go to gyms and I would coach kids, just giving them. I just felt like I was raised to give back, right, to pay forward. And uh, I was just showing kids what to do in the gym. Some of these kids didn't even really know me anymore. Uh, and I left doing that. I mean, I kept doing that, but I left that job and I got into human resources. So I got into policy, Title IX, understanding rules and regulations, understanding the law and how it affects our community. It's that whole deal, hiring and firing, investigating internal complaints. And I got to a transition where, I, like anything else, I thought, uh, I've been doing this a long time. I'm not sure this is where I need to be. So I ran a business, uh, doing uh, a candy business called Treat, my, Treat Yourself Sweet. And I was in the gyms working with kids. And my wife said, why don't you just coach? Because I'd go to the games and I'd watch and I'm talking to people at my high school. And the former coach finally came to me and said, Brett, I got a job. I think you should coach. I'm ready to step down. I want to get into the administration. So I coached that year. First year we went to state, took third. Second year we won it. That was a history making at the time. It had never happened. First Mr. Basketball to win a state tournament. First Mr. Basketball to all modern win a state tournament and a do it subject to a notice. And I worked with, in my tenure of coaching eight years, I worked with three different athletic directors. I had great years with them. And my children came. I stepped down to uh, be dad and watch them play because they were all good athletes. And then an old friend of mine, Trent Tucker, had become the district athletic director. Trent Tucker played with the New York Knicks. He's a Minnesota alumni. He said, hey, man, I got a job for you. Would you be interested in doing athletics as athletic director? And I tried it, and I loved it. Uh, I was able to get back into my comfort zone. Right? I, I understood that some of the things that we do are very similar to how I inadvertently was trained. Right? I had the people skills, I had the network, I had the communication, the problem solving. Uh, I understood rules and regulations and policies and I really enjoyed doing that. And, and that's how I got into the AD. Uh, again, good friend of mine, looking to fill a position, uh, thought that this would be, he knew before I knew that this would be a good fit for me. Uh, and I took the job and I'm glad I did. I, ne I would never change it. I don't even feel like I'm working. Uh, it's 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 what I do. <laughs> oh, I, I use that same. I use that same line uh, that uh, being an AD it, it beats working for a living. Uh, you know, my whole career. Uh, I, I again, I, I got to imagine that the number of different experiences that you had, you know, in in leadership in different settings, you know, it definitely helped uh, in the wide variety of uh, duties that that an AD has. Um, can you pick, I know I'm putting you on the spot here again, uh, you know, can you pick one from, you know, some of those earlier jobs, uh, that ended up playing out again as an athletic director, something that really sticks out for you? Well, yeah, in politics, everyone has an opinion, right? And there's no right or there's no wrong answer, right? And in this job, I tell you, that is a skill set, uh, to be able to respect another person's opinion because uh, they're going to give it to you whether you like it or not and it's going to come in all kinds of, you, you're going to find it on social media you'll find it in the email they'll leave it on the message they'll stop you uh, at the grocery store during the game after the game before the game and 
I learned uh, through that experience in politics that it's their opinion, right? And there's nothing wrong with listening and learning. We don't know everything. I don't know everything. And I have blind spots. And so by being a good listener, um, by respecting uh, their opinion, it's really been a strong, uh, it's been a, a catalyst for me in doing this job and doing as well as I think I've been able to do it. You're absolutely spot on that they, parents, uh, they love to give you their opinion. Have you ever thought about this? Uh, oh, no, gosh, I never thought about that at all. Uh, but uh, listening, yes, listening, certainly one of the great tools uh, in our toolbox. Um, for our listeners, uh, our guest today is Brett McNeil. He's a certified master athletic administrator. He's up in Minneapolis. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with some more. Please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We also want to say thank you to Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. If you go to hometownticketing.com, they're going to show you how to set up and sell your tickets digitally. They'll show you how to scan the attendees that come to your games and collect your revenue. And every step of the way, you're going to have a dedicated client success manager that's providing hands-on support. That's every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com. They'll also show you how to set up and sell tickets for things like school dances, theater performances, uh, music, um, concerts, you name it, even graduation. Go to hometownticketing.com and start selling your tickets digitally. That's hometownticketing.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest is Brett McNeil, Certified Master Athletic Administrator. Brett, we always like to uh, have our guests uh, give a shout out to some of the mentors that they've had over their career. Obviously, there's a ton of people. None of us get to where we're at on our own. Um, so who are some of the people that you'd like to uh, single out and uh, and say thank you to? Oh, there's a few. First and foremost, my family, my grandparents, my mother, my father and my brother uh, were huge mentors to me in terms of uh, family giving back and uh, what I call the grind, right? Just really powering through and uh, uh, work ethic. And if you work that hard, you know, things will happen for you. And it gave me a solid spiritual base uh, to help me make it through uh, anything I'm dealing with, knowing that the, the guy that I serve is there with me and protects me. Uh, I have great coaches. Robin Ingram was our assistant coach when I played at North High School. Uh, I was good enough to play varsity, but wasn't on the varsity team. Uh, I played JV for two quarters back then. Then they would hustle me over to the uh, other gym, sit the bench for varsity. And now I'm upset. And I'm sitting there. And he really taught me how to coach. He really taught me how to see the game, uh, not just play the game. Taught me how to think the game through my years. Uh, Michael Talley Tate, uh, Dennis Howard were my youth coaches that taught me that toughness, that resilience really gave me the skills to dribble, pass, and shoot and be a team player. Uh, and then when I got to college, it was Dwayne Casey and Clem Haskins. I learned so much from them, the, the uh, professionalism of the sport, uh, the business side of the sport. Uh, I had to lift weights. I never lived weights in my life. Didn't know that a four-year uh, scholarship was one-year renewable, right? Learned that quickly by uh, some experiences that I had with some of the kids but then they taught me the basketball, uh, how to play the game at a different level and prepared me for the professional level. 
uh, my high school teachers and professors, Dr. Beasley, Dr. Webb, Dr. Helco, Mrs. Kaufman. Uh, if it wasn't for them and their encouragement uh, in school, as I struggled through, whether it was a class, physics or biology, um, funny story, Ms. Halcombe, you know, I loved school and I would run to class. I think I, as the bell rung, I was stepping across the, uh, the door threshold. She stopped me. You stand right there, young fella. Like, okay, she said, I'm gonna tell you this right now. I don't care about your smile. I don't care about your charisma. And I don't care about how much these girls think they might like you. If you're ever late to my class again, I will fail you. I go take your seat. <laughs> and she caught me on the spot and I thought, I thought I was on time. I learned to be there five minutes early. <laughs> and I and she was serious about education. And I appreciate that. I never forgot it. I had some great community leaders, Pastor uh, Lewis W. Jenkins. Uh, he was my spiritual founder. I passed away. My mother and my father passed away. Uh, but he kept me grounded. Uh, him and my grandfather kept me grounded, never to forget uh, uh, who I am why we're here and what our real purpose is in life and that's to help and serve others. Uh, Gary Suddeth was uh, passed away. He was a former Urban League uh, president. Uh, Dr. Peter Hayden, first African-American first African-American that started a chemical dependency uh, here in upper Midwest. A uh, good friend of our families uh, and a good mentor to me, Mona Modi, who was the first person that actually hired me my first job and taught me uh, how to be an executive director and taught me how to a network and be a good community organizer. She said, I'm gonna put, take you to my wing and I'm gonna show you what it means to be a leader and run an organization. You need to know how to do budgets. Uh, she said, you need to know how to uh, follow the money is what she used to say. Uh, then Clayton Tyler and Jackie Chair Holmes. Uh, Jackie Chair Holmes was the council president. Uh, she recognized my leadership and introduced me to politics. Clayton Tyler and I, he's a, a good friend of mine. They're married and uh, uh, he's an attorney. Uh, and he helped me establish a mentor program when Timberwolves first came through here, uh, started in Minnesota. So we mentored uh, uh, some of those guys, uh, Kevin Garnett, et cetera. And then finally, Spike Moss is a longtime uh, community advocate here in Minnesota. He went through the uh, Minneapolis riots and the burning down of Plymouth. Uh, uh, and he taught us how to advocate on our behalf, right? how to deal with the politicians, how to deal with police brutality. Uh, and do it in the right way. Uh, and so those are a few of the guys I like to shout out to and a few, few of the ladies I like to shout out to because without them, I couldn't be who I am. Uh, it was fun to be great stories around. So uh, I tell the story about my grandfather. I got my degree and I'm all excited. And he pulls me to the side. You don't know nothing. What you talking about, grandfather? He said, I, you know, you did a great job. We're proud of you, but what do you know? What do you mean what I know? I got a degree in communications. I want to be a sports announcer. I want to do television. He said, I'm going to give you a test, and I want to see if you can take it. He gave me one of his tests. There was three questions on there. It said, you got to, you've got to, uh, you have to finish this test in two hours. I look at this test, and I couldn't answer one question. <laughs> and I started, I said, oh, like, like, what is this? He said, well, the questions in a nutshell were like this. I need you to go outside, measure the tree, cut the tree down, and basically build a deck. I didn't know how to do that. I, I, he said, you have to know horticulture. He said, who do you think built this house? He said, I did and your uncles. He said, I can go out there and cut that tree down. We can go out there and shave the plank, sand them down. I can do my own cement, dig a hole, measure it out, 
and build this house. He said, son, you got to know how to do stuff. You just can't understand it theoretically. And I never forgot that. Uh, he said, who do you think owns that store and built that store? Who does the marketing? Who understands logistics? He said, who does the sales? Who understands the money and the budget? He said, we do. Can you do that? I said, no. When I got done, I said, but you're going to teach me. And I said, you're going to teach me how? Because I didn't know. I took it for granted because those are the things that we had in our family. But I honestly did. And as I've gotten older, I still think about that. Sometimes we learn stuff uh, through books, but we don't know how to do. You have to implement. You have to. And we spend a lot of money. If you don't know how to do plumbing, they know how to do the plumbing, auto electrical. You're paying somebody top dollar to do that. If you can't fix your furnace or your air conditioning, you pay somebody top dollar to do that. So he was letting me know that, son, while I'm proud of you, never forget these things because I wasn't allowed to go to school. Because I couldn't go to school. It, it didn't mean I couldn't do it. I was doing it for other folks. I'm doing it for ourselves all my life. He said, but I wasn't allowed to go to school and get a degree. So I was first denied access to education because of the color of my skin. And then secondly, because of money and certification. We weren't allowed to get certifications. We weren't allowed to get licensure. So he said, never forget that. And I've never forgot. So I understood the paper. I understood the degree. But more importantly, we have to know how to do it. I think that comes with wisdom and the knowledge and having great mentors like the people that I, I mentioned today. Oh, wow. Uh, great, great lesson. Really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, again, a couple of points that, that stuck out for me, you know, the, the, the lifelong learning and, you know, learning those lessons, as you alluded to, not just uh, things in the books, but those life lessons from that um, elder generation. And then it's our job, you know, to pass it on to the next generation. And also, you know, we can learn things from that younger generation too. Great, great stuff. Thanks so much for sharing. For listeners, uh, our guest today is Brett McNeil, Certified Master Athletic Administrator and the Athletic Director at Edison High School in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We're going to take another break. I know that's shocking to our regular listeners, but we want to give our sponsors a shout out. Please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thank you to Gipper for their support of the podcast. Go to Gipper.com and see how athletic directors are creating world-class marketing content for their school's social media channels. You can do it in seconds on any device, and you don't need any design experience. It's so easy, even I can do it. Go to gibber.com, use the podcast code ADPOD10, that's ADPOD10, and get 10% off. Gibber.com lets you create custom-branded content for your school's social media channels. That's gipper.com. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, our guest again is Brett McNeil from uh, Edison High School in Minneapolis. Brett, I'm a little bit older than you, but uh, we're of a similar age. Um, and we've been doing this for a while, but we've got a lot of younger athletic directors, even some brand new ADs. And I think it's important for them to hear about the journey that we take. So share, if you can, um, how you um, first became aware of your state association and, you know, the NIAAA, um, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, your journey and how it's you know, ongoing. Oh my goodness. Well, again, I love the fact that uh, when, when I was hired, Trent Tucker really mandated that all of our, we're part of a district of uh, uh, seven high schools. 
and he demanded that we participate in the uh, State High School Association. Uh, and that's how I got familiar with it. And as I mentioned earlier, alluded to from my mentors, uh, always being a learner. And I was new to the job. Uh, and I talked about coaching. Now, and I'll share this. I've tried to learn everything I could about, I know how to run the book, I know how to run the clock. I became an official. And they said, what do you mean be an official? I said, if you want to be good at something, you have to know as much as you can about that issue. And that's how I looked at this job. Yeah, I was a coach, I was an athletic director, I mean, I was a, an official and I played, but there was so much for me to learn. And so the first thing I identified with the State High School Association, they had LTI classes. I was like, wow, I need to take these classes. You know, I like school, no big deal. So I took the classes that were offered to really start learning a job. And then through that association, I learned about the NIAA association. And, and so by attending those uh, organizations, uh, I began to take LTI classes. Uh, at that time, I didn't even know about the certification. I was just enjoying the learning uh, so much to the point that I then went online and I probably purchased more of my LTI classes for my own money just learning than I did uh, uh, going to the uh, state and the national organizations. Uh, but I enjoyed the topics, uh, the experiences that were shared from other athletic directors. Uh, I, I enjoyed the challenges that came with those organizations and then trying to work with different uh, uh, groups to try to address some of those challenges. Uh, and then I learned about the certification. And, and I remember telling my boss at the time, I will have my certification in three or so years. And, and I, I kind of felt like, okay, yeah, but you know, but I did it. And he looked at me and said, you did what you said. I said, yeah, it was, it was important to me uh, because I felt like there was a perception around athletic directors that were just old retired coaches, right? That there's no importance to us. Or there's no credibility to this craft. Uh, and and I, want, I had a purposeful, intentional uh, uh, desire to change that perspective. And I knew one way to do that is to certify and, and, and earn your master's. So I, I registered as an RA. I then started a process of working through my CAA and passed my test. And then I went and got my CMAA. And then I went and got my master's degree in athletic administration, even though people said, well, you don't need it. You got your CMAA. I said, no, I want it. <laughs> It's a difference to me. I want it. Uh, and then I found out that they offer, also offer the CIA, and I'm starting the process of earning my CIA uh, because I love to travel, which is probably because of basketball. And uh, so I want to be able, uh, if I decide to go overseas or someplace else, uh, to have some credentials that reflect the understanding of uh, what's expected of athletic director international. Uh, and so I enjoyed what they offered in the classes. And then a couple years ago, my current uh, supervisor, uh, uh, Tony Fisher, Anthony Fisher, who's become a great mentor to me, uh, suggested that I be a part uh, of this uh, organization of a national organization of African-American athletic directors, NOMAD. Uh, and it's been great uh, um, being able to sit down with other men and women of color uh, to talk about the opportunities and the challenges that we have and to continue to mentor one another and provide training through pods like your own uh, to help new and upcoming uh, athletic directors. And, and that's really who I am, right? I, 
I think that coaching and athletic directors really serve me, right? I'm serving people uh, and giving back, getting paying forward. Uh, and that's also part of my fraternity. I'm a cap FSI uh, brother. And, and, and achievement and serving is what we do. And that's just who I am. And so I'm grateful to these organizations uh, that have helped me continue what I love to do best. And it's been great. No, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And, and thanks for giving, you know, Nomad a shout out too. you know, Tony Fisher, uh, you know, spent a few years in Florida too. He was on our board. Uh, Tony and I presented a couple of years ago at the national uh, conference, uh, just as Nomad was getting started. And it's great, you know, for me to also be a member of Nomad and, and be a part of all the great things that you guys are doing. So uh, he's very, awesome. He's great. Thanks so much for sharing that out. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here because uh, I can't remember and I'm having a senior moment. What's the um, Nomad website so one of our uh, listeners can check it out more? You, you're going to have to make me go to my <laughs> <laughs> my own my own page. Uh, but one of the things I try to do is add that to my um, link. And I unfortunately, I don't have that in. But I'll get it before we're done and I'll share that with everybody. Uh, I'm going to see if it, uh, okay. I think I got it for you. I think I beat you. Um, uh, the website for nomad is the nomad M O M A D association.org. The nomad association, check it out. Uh, the national organization of minority athletic directors, a uh, great group, uh, and you can be involved in it as well. Uh, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, uh, we'll be back. Please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We also want to say thank you to Huddle for their support of the podcast. Go to huddle.com and see how, uh, see that Huddle is how the world sees sports. Uh, join the 200,000 teams across 40 sports that use Huddle to help their athletes play better. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years, but as an athletic director, our school was a Huddle school, and our coaches just loved the mobile uh, accessibility, the smart cameras. Of course, they love the analytics, but there's so much more, and Huddle is built for any program, youth, club, high school, college, even the pros use Huddle because they provide professional-grade solutions for the challenges that their teams, their coaches, their departments are facing. Go to huddle.com and see that we believe in sports and that teams believe in huddle. Over 6 million users can't be wrong. Go to huddle.com and see how your school can become a huddle school. That's huddle.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're visiting today with Brett McNeil from Edison High School in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Brett, one of the things we try to do with our podcast is this idea of sharing best practices. So I'm going to put you on the spot another time here. What are some things that you do at Edison that you're particularly proud of that you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, my goodness. First and foremost, I'll say that we've worked hard to try to change the stigmatism of, of an athlete. So many times when I first got into this and when I was coaching, administrators, teachers, Parents even get that football player, get that basketball player, that's play, baseball player. And I said, stop, you, you got to change that. And so I pushed hard to identify uh, our students as student athletes. 
and to dress them as student athletes because they're students first and athletes second, right? And our kids have bought into that. Our administration has bought into that. And so they really work hard to maintain their grades and be recognized not as a dumb jock, but as a student, we just have to do something well. We don't say get that theater, get that band guy, get that choir guy, you know, get that girl that's a cheerleader, right? We so, say, no, we're students. We just happen to be good at something else, but we want to be recognized as very intellectual individuals that just happen to be good at something else. And that has permeated through our school system. And if a teacher says something to one of our student athletes, they'll stop and quit. Who are you talking to? We're students. We're student athletes. We need to be athletes. Uh, and we're proud of that because that was a huge change for us because it helped everyone look at us uh, as students that we're here to get an education. We are educational based athletics, right? So everything around that uh, uh, must be viewed in that light. Along with that, uh, we have a very good eligibility protocol. Uh, our district requires a 2.0 cumulative 2.0 GPA to participate. I think we're the only district in our state that does that. But with that, if you don't have that, we also provide a process uh, that allows you to earn a district appeal. Uh, so we'll look at the past quarter GPA. Uh, we'll look at attendance. Uh, we'll look at uh, grades from the last quarter. We'll, we'll look at uh, uh, their transcript. And then we have a committee established of a financial person, a board member, uh, a principal, assistant principal, another AD and the district AD, and that student will have to put together a document or, or an essay in a sense saying, what caused your GPA to fall below the 2.0? And then they'll present that um, to the committee and they'll review that and then they'll either make a determination or grant the eligibility under conditions and expectations or they'll deny it. Uh, and we're proud to know that, uh, say that, We've used it very few times. And when we have, uh, our students were granted the eligibility and then we didn't have to go back again. It was a one-time shot. And, and, and we really take pride in that because if you're at a 2.0, then at least we know you're showing up, you're turning the working. And then from there, our coaches have looked at, um, that's my other uh, best practice. We have an outstanding student parent handbook slash manual that addresses that issue. So my coaches are able to establish a different protocol, right? No, we want to maintain a 3.5 team GPA, right? So we're all shooting forward, trying to earn that uh, national grade point average certification and recognition. We've had a few of our team to do that this year. Uh, but the other specific thing about uh, our handbook is we have a process in there of reconciliation. Right, so if there's a concern or complaint from a parent, uh, we've established a five point process. Uh, first, that student is gonna be coached by their parents to understand what to say, find their voice, communicate to that coach what that need is. So, so that's the first step. It's gonna be the student and the coach. You can't jump over those steps. If you're not satisfied, then that parent, student, coach will meet. Not satisfied, then I'll join that party. Still not satisfied, We'll meet with our principal, still not satisfied. We'll add Tony as our district athletic, athletic director to, to have those discussions. Uh, it's a best practice utilized in other union sources so we know it works. 
And typically we don't have to go past the first step. Uh, so we're teaching our students how to find their voice. And we found that to be so important. So we have a lot of student athletes that are leaders. We have a lot of leaders in our program that take the lead on issues like Title IX or take the issues on if there's a concern with the coach or student or if they don't feel like we have what other schools might have. They'll bring those things to our attention and then we'll advocate and fight for them. So we're really proud of how we're moving our students uh, towards being a student athlete and finding their voice in that capacity. Boy, that's some great well, stuff. Really and it's something that doesn't always about. get um, um, a lot of notice, you know, the, the efforts to identify kids as, as students first, rather than, you know, that classic, oh, that football player was misbehaving in my class. Uh, great stuff. Brett, if, if one of our listeners wanted to reach out and pick your brain a little bit more, we'll do this at the end of the podcast too, but what's the best way they can get a hold of you? They can always reach, reach me by email, which is brett.mcneal at mpls.k12.mn.us. Uh, that's probably the fastest, but they can always call me at 612-668-1344. And for our NIAAA members, you know, that information's uh, available through the NIAAA portal as well. We'll give it out at the end of the podcast too. Brett McNeil, uh, Athletic Director, Edison High School, Minneapolis, Minnesota. We're going to be back with some more. Please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thank you to Sideline Interactive for their support. We've got a Sideline Interactive indoor scoring table in our gym, and it's just fantastic. We use it for home games, of course, but we also use it for uh, pep rallies. We use it for signing ceremonies. It's tremendously versatile, and the Sideline Interactive uh, support staff is just fantastic. Go to sidelineinteractive.com. Uh, or you can email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com to schedule a live web demo to see their tables and their video boards in action. That's sidelineinteractive.com. Check out exactly what their fantastic products can do for you. Sidelineinteractive.com. We also want to say thanks to Vital Signs Wall of Fame for their support. They're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school record boards for all your teams, for all the events, or a cool way to display your school's Hall of Fame, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com and check out their interactive touchscreen video consoles along with their library of templates. They can help recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present, and help showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com or email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com to get started. Brett, one of our uh, uh, original questions that we've been using almost since the podcast started has to do with this idea of uh, coaching toughness. Uh, a long time ago, when I was in high school, uh, you know, our coaches would say things like, come on, you got to be tough. And we kind of knew what they meant. And, and we did it. Uh, since then, uh, we figured out much better ways to communicate with kids and to coach kids. But I still think that toughness is an important aspect of sports and for life. So here's my question. How can we help kids today develop toughness while also being 
aware of the very real challenges that a Generation Z kid is experiencing that I never had to go through back when I was in high school. Uh, do you have any advice for us? Well, sure. Well, I've got five kids, four boys and one girl. Uh, so this speaks loud to me because, you know, raising your own children, we know what they're going to have to face uh, adversity. Uh, there's going to be challenges as well as opportunities. So I've always thought from that perspective to first define what that really means. And for me, that's just helping them understand how to endure hardship or pain uh, and be strong enough to withstand adverse conditions. Because, you know, I always go back to how does a kid hear that? You know, they're taking, they're thinking, fight, fight, fight. I got to be mean, aggressive. I can't show my emotions. I can't cry. Uh, but I think that we have to first help them define what that is. Uh, when it's being said so again theoretically they get it uh, and then we with them help demonstrate how to do that and I look at that in like kind of three ways allow the students to fail right uh, allow them to make those mistakes uh, the best way to learn is to give a student uh, the space to exercise and try some things and alone but within safety and controlled conditions and then secondly teach those students how to own those decisions Right, uh, our job is to be the uh, the the older, wiser guy uh, to teach them the pros and the cons of those decisions. If this happens, let's walk through what that looks like. If you make this decision, let's look at what that looks like. But at the end of the day, you have to make the decision, and I'm going to support the decision. And then finally, teaching students to own their own consequences for the decisions and their actions. Like you own that, right? We talk about that with our el eligibility process. You have to explain how you got here. It's not the teacher. It's not that they didn't know one like you. It's not the coach didn't like you. What happened, right? First, acknowledge it, own it. And then we can help give you wisdom about those decisions. And then if you take ownership on that uh, and you start doing those things that uh, work best to get you where you are, uh, then we can find some success. So those are the three things that I really focus on. Allowing students to fail, teaching students to own their own actions, and then teaching those students uh, how to own their own consequences for those behaviors. Uh, the big issue to that is also then teaching us as mentors the difference between accountability and punishment. Right. Yeah, you see that a lot now. At least I've seen it very recently. Uh, consequences versus punishment, and you know the what you said about you know. Um, helping the kid understand that you got yourself here, you know, owning it. You know, we do that with coaches sometimes too, you know, Hey, you know, you got to own this. Uh, and then the other thing that you, you alluded to earlier, um, the parents, you know, because the parents nowadays, they want to brush all these challenges, brush the consequences, brush the owning it uh, away because uh, they don't want their kid to fail. Um, not understanding that that's how growth occurs you know wow you hit everything them. go yeah, ahead I do i take i take them back you know how did you learn how to walk hmm. right that child was crawling and scooting first and they fell a few times you didn't pick them up and tell them they can never walk again because <laughs> if that happens there's there's possibility of some deformity there and, and i also say it in a controlled setting right that's why we're coaches that's why we're in the gym that's why we have the lines that's why we have the proper equipment that's our responsibility to keep them safe, right? So that they can exercise those decision makings and, and to make those mistakes and opportunities to fail. Everybody's not going to get a trophy, 
everybody's not going to get a participation t-shirt. That's not real, right? You know, I, I struggle with the conversation around everyone should participate, but that's not in the real world. Then why do we have a GPA? Why do we rate kids and students with their grades? Why do we compete for which college to get into? Everything, there's something, some cause and effect, some competition. So we've got to help them understand, again, healthy and safe, uh, how to manage and deal with those things. There's going to be wins and losses in our life, and those losses are not bad, they're not punishment. It's what am I learning from it? What did you learn? Let me, I'll quickly share this story. When I first got this job, I worked in a tough administration. I take tough. I mean, when it first came at me, I thought, this lady doesn't like me. She probably didn't. But through my mentors and through prayer, they helped me understand you're where you're supposed to be because that's where God wants you. Now, what are you going to learn? And the minute I heard that, remember the, the first time I was able to accept that, this is a learning from it. Has nothing to do with her. Has nothing to do with anything else. This is my way through this hardship and those failures in this job when I first took it, how I'm going to be a great athletic director. And that's exactly what happened. When I got to the, the uh, uh, state and national conferences and I was meeting with athletic directors and I was sharing my stories, some of the responses are, wait a minute, you're doing that already? Wait, you already know how to do that? It took me three years to figure it out. I said, yeah, I was under some tough pressure. But it was how I received that. It was... Every mistake I made, I mean, she was on me, right? And I could look at that one or two ways. She doesn't like me. She's set me up to fail. She's going to terminate me. And I didn't. I looked at that as I am where I'm supposed to be. Now, what can I learn? I took this job. I want this job. I like this job. Let's figure it out. And, and it worked out. I, I couldn't have changed and wouldn't have changed it for me. So we really push those things. Give, give them a safe place. Let them fail. Let them learn. Give them good mentoring wisdom. Let them own their decisions and let them earn those consequences that come. Well, absolutely right. You know, that's, what, that's what coaches do. You know, yeah. they, they help kids get better. Great, great stuff. We're going to take another break uh, for our listeners. Our guest is Brett McNeil, the athletic director at Edison High School, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thank you to SnapRaise. Go to SnapRaise.com and check out how their fundraising platform can help you get away from the fundraising headaches of the past. Um, our coaches use SnapRaise, and it was just fantastic. There's no selling. There's no inventory. Um, your data is secure. And what's more important, it actually works. Choosing the best fundraiser for you and your group is critical, and you can put the SnapRaise digital fundraising difference to work at your school. As I said, it's easy, it's safe, and it works. Go to snapraise.com and check out the thousands and thousands of dollars that they've helped programs just like yours raise using SnapRaise. They even have a program where you can get your funds before you actually raise them. Go to snapraise.com, change your fundraising game plan, and start a fundraiser that works for you. That's snapraise.com. Welcome back, everyone, to our visit with Brett McNeil, Certified Master Athletic Administrator and the Director of Athletics at Edison High School in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, Brett, well, we were talking about this earlier. Another one of our 
uh, original talking points uh, has to do with this idea of social awareness. And I know that's a big umbrella, but um, from your perspective, how can an athletic director do a better job for their community, their kids, their coaches? How can they do a better job of being socially aware? Well, for me, I, I go back to being a forever learner, right? Being that myself, always in a place of learning and trying to understand, and then encouraging my students and my parents and my community to be in that same place. Uh, and then from there, I look at uh, I look at it from this perspective. Uh, again, as I was raising kids, as I was coaching, I used to hear from people when I'd go to visit homes, you need to go in your room and do your homework. Go do your homework. And as I used to talk to my kids, sometimes they didn't know what to do or how to do it. And so instead of me telling them to go, I would say, hey, can we sit down and do homework together, right? Sometimes my wife would tell my kids to go wash the dishes or whatever. And I would have to say, no, let's wash dishes together. Can you help me wash the dishes? Can you help me take the trash out? Hey, I'm going to go cut the grass. Can someone come help me cut the grass? What am I saying when I say that? Not just tell kids or students what to do, but do things with them. And in the process of doing things with people, you get to know them, right? You really get to know who they are because other conversations come out as, they learn, as they're learning through osmosis and trying and failing. You really get to understand and know who that person is, like this podcast. We're doing something together. So people are getting to know a little bit about them. And so for me, it's, it's being in that right frame of mind, understanding everybody has an opinion. And, and instead of being critical of those opinions, let's dialogue with it. Let's, let's, let's cope together. Let's, uh, let's interact over the phone. Let's join a nomad group, right? The more we spend time with people doing things with them. One of the things I do with coaches, I'm, I'm kind of a hand-on AD. I tell them, I won't tell you how to coach, but I will be present, right? And if you ask me to do something, I'll do it, right? If you want me to take over because the coach is running late, or if you want me to take over because I was a basketball player, you think I might know something, I won't do it for you, but I'll do it with you, right? So, and I'll do it with the kid. And I've learned in a, in a short period of time, people learn faster, they feel safer, and they understand better around those social issues because you're really learning the person. So, for example, as African-American, I don't speak for all African-Americans but you will learn something about African-Americans from getting to know who I am, right? I don't know everything about you, Jay, but by this conversation, I've learned a little bit about you and, and I'm appreciative and non-judgmental about those things. So those are how I approach helping people understand social learning at a very, uh, if I can use the term, frontline learning versus trying to join a big, uh, organization or getting involved in a big movement, right? I'm that one-on-one -on -one guy, right? Let's do something together. Let's go bowling. What do you like to do? Let's do that, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm sharing that because it made me think about a conversation we had earlier. I am an athletic director at Edison High School in Northeast Minneapolis. People in Minnesota that might see this or in Minneapolis, they would understand how unique that is. Because we were talking earlier, this was a Polish, Scandinavian, very racist community, if I could say it that way. It was tough. 
and there's a bridge we call the Broadway and the Lowry Bridge. And you couldn't cross that bridge. I mean, that was my boundary as a kid. You cannot go past this street. I didn't know what the issue was when I was a kid. As I got older, I learned. I am in this community. It's a great community. And I can tell you one of the things that allowed me to get here was through athletics. I was a good student. I was a good athlete. I could cross that bridge. And some of my friends were like, how can you go over there? We can't be over there. But I was accepted. And athletics did that because by participating together in those sports, those kids got to know me, right? So we developed a social awareness. And then those students communicated to their parents. Oh, this is Brett, the basketball player. No, mom, he's cool. He's really good. You got it. And then when I'd get to the home, they'd ask me questions. They'd touch me. I, I could give you some great experience. Can I feel your hair? Weird stuff that is really offensive. Right. But as a kid, I didn't know. But getting to know them and them getting to know me, it's fabulous. And we're go we were going through a huge transition in the 80s when I was in high school. And here I am now. The demographics have changed. Quite a few Somalian families here. Quite a few Latino, Hispanic families here. Quite a few Asians here. It's a and, and with the same community. And I lived through that change. And so we lived through that social awareness. And a lot of that came from just one-on-one, -on -one, just spend time with the people, just do stuff together. Even if you don't like what they're doing at the time, you'll still learn something. So that's my take on it. Yeah, boy, uh, again, I really appreciate you sharing that. I mean, you know, what a um, experience, you know, that, that must've been, you know, growing up. Uh, and, and again, growing for me, growing up in the Pacific Northwest, you know, it really wasn't, you know, that diverse uh, in yeah. my community. But uh, um, becoming uh, involved in athletics and going off to college and then, you know, getting an education and, and going from uh, Oregon to Missouri and then to Vermont and then to California and then Arkansas and now in Florida, you know, I've had an opportunity to meet so many different people from so many different backgrounds. And you're absolutely right. You know, it just makes us all uh, our experience that much richer by, yeah. you know, getting to know those people, as you said, just one on one. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that. Okay. Well, and that's why I do what I do. I love it. Athletics can do some things that the stuff we do in the community can't do because they'll probably never do it. But athletes give us an opportunity to do that to meet those people, share those experiences, and learn something around social awareness. Encourage kids to participate in more than one sport, and you will meet a lot of families from different economic and demographic backgrounds that is going to be a plus for you in the future. You know, Brett McNeil, this has been so cool spending a little bit of time with you and getting to know you. I definitely want to uh, connect in Nashville, uh, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always wrap up with the athletic director's toolbox. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here from athletic surveys who sponsor the toolbox segment. When we come back, we're going to find out what Brett McNeil, a master athletic director is going to put into his new athletic director toolbox. Please stay with us. We want to say thank you to athletic surveys by Lifetrack for sponsoring the athletic director toolbox segment of the podcast. Athletic surveys by Lifetrack are a quick, easy and affordable way 
for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. At my school, we use surveys for just about everything, for uh, parents, for kids, for coaches, teachers. And the information that came back was almost always over-the-top positive. And it'll be the same for you, too. But the surveys also allowed that squeaky wheel parent to vent a little bit. And many times they'd share a small problem that you could address and keep it from turning into a big problem because you didn't know about it because you hadn't done a survey. If you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student athletes, you're really missing out. Go to athleticsurveys.com or email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. Well, it's that time of the podcast. We've been visiting with Brett McNeil, a certified master athletic administrator from Minneapolis. Uh, Brett, you certainly know your way around the world of athletics, but right now I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new AD on their very first job, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. Uh Three items are going to go in Brett McNeil's athletic director toolbox. When when I reflect back, uh, here are the, yeah, here are the top three things I would recommend to uh, New AD. One, develop great problem-solving skills. Uh, if you don't have them, continue to develop them because that's what we do. Uh, two, develop great communication and uh, relationship-building skills because a lot of what we are doing are developing relationship with coaches, uh, our student-athletes, and our families, as well as our administration. Uh, three, develop good listening skills and be a forever learner. Uh, many times I don't say much. I just listen. Uh, and then I might just ask questions uh, and allow that parent or that student to talk. Uh, so I'm doing more learning uh, than I am trying to teach or tell what's happening. And I think I want to add uh, two others. One, uh, make sure you have a strong mentor base. Uh, uh, and make sure there are some other uh, more experienced uh, athletic directors uh, in that mentoring field because they they can really talk to you and speak specifically to a situation you might be dealing with. And then finally, master uh, whatever management tool you're using. Uh, There's a few out there. We use our school today here, uh, but there are other uh, tools that can help a a new athletic director uh, manage the day-to-day operations. Uh, and all of these things, uh, if you take those LTI classes through NIA, they really help. But those are four or five things that, that I, when I look back on what helped me be successful early, uh, those were the four or five things. And I would encourage all new athletic directors to, to, to do those things. Oh, without a doubt, those are uh, in our top list of, uh, of, of athletic director tools. Very good. I love how you snuck a couple extra ones in there. <laughs> <laughs> Great job, Brett. Um, again, this has just been really cool uh, getting to know you a little bit. If one of our listeners wants to reach out, pick your brain a little bit more, how do they get in touch with you? They can give me a call at 612-668-1344 or give me an email at brett.mcneal at mpls.k12.mn.us or they can find me on the NIAA. Uh, website. Okay. 
Thanks for sharing that. Uh, Brett McNeil, Edison High School. Thanks for being on the podcast today. And uh, congratulations and all the best on the 100th anniversary homecoming for Edison High School. Thank you so much, Jake. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Glad to have been here. Hope all I right. could help. <laughs> for our listeners, remember the Zoom recordings of all of these interviews get uploaded to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. We appreciate you listening today. Come back just about every day for new content on the Educational AD Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Um, remember, the, the videos get uploaded to our YouTube channel. Check those out. We also want to acknowledge our two partner organizations, the Global Community of Women in High School Sports. That's Global Community of Women in Sports.org. And We Coach. Go to WeCoachSports.org. Both these organizations have tremendous resources for your coaches, for you as an AD, and their organizations that you should be a part of. The Global Community of Women in High School Sports and We Coach. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Educational AD Podcast.